Welcome to episode number 80 of the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, we had the opportunity to talk with John Mark McMillan about the heart of songwriting, the heart of worship leading, just a lot of great practical tips, so you're going to really enjoy this one. We're going to hop right into it. The Church Collective Podcast, episode number 80. Life has been pretty busy and crazy for me, and so, to be honest, I'm just kind of hanging in there. Yeah. So are you guys, you doing a lot of touring right now? Uh, we we just finished um, a good uh, a good little few weeks of touring, and now I'm back home. Um, sure. I'm working on some new songs and um, trying to figure out what the next season uh, of my life is going to look like as far as um, that goes. Sure. You know, it's weird when you're an artist. It's sort of like you you work in these seasons. You have sort of the writing season, recording season, touring season, you know. And some of the really good ones are really good at making those seasons really tight and working really well, you know. But for me, they're always really messy, yeah. you know. So, um, I, um, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now, trying okay. to figure out what, what I have to say for a new record. and Sure. Because I'm, I'm usually not one to say I need a record, so I better write songs for a record. I'm more like, hey... Uh, you know what songs am I writing, and and what uh, what what's worth recording, or what needs to be said right now? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been so busy, um, I don't have a whole lot of songs that I've written. So I'm just taking some time off to work on sure. new material. Could yeah, you just yeah? Uh, could could you speak a little bit to that process? One of the I asked some of our community for for some questions, and and it seemed like the through the through theme was how how do you go about packing like so much like biblical truth, but in a very like. Um, beautiful way like a very like instead of just kind of like straight on the nose but like you really you really paint a picture in your lyrics like could you maybe speak a little bit towards like what, what kind of process is that for you yeah for sure my philosophy for writing is um is to try and be as honest as possible so i'm not a topical writer meaning like i don't pick a topic and write about it i write about whatever i'm feeling at the time and um you know, so I don't always know exactly what I'm writing while I'm writing. You know, like I just get really interested in a melody and there will be a word that I really enjoy. And it sounds really weird, but it's actually not. Yeah. You know, because words, at the end of the day, all a word is, is a sound that we've developed a context to that comes with some sort of baggage. You know, so I might have a word that I'm really enjoying and I'll start singing the word and working around the word. And I'll ask myself, what does this word make me feel? Why am I feeling this way about this word? You know. Um, it sounds a little silly, but yeah. it's actually not. So the word, so I start unpacking the word and, and figuring out what direction the word is, that particular word is going, you know, and I sort of um, chase the the feeling, you know, of the word or several words or the sentence or the line that I've got, you know. So that's how it all begins for me. Yeah. So I'll chase these little ideas for weeks, and I'll pack. Um, I'll I'll pack my a whiteboard here full of those ideas. Like, but my my philosophy behind writing songs is I don't put um, biblical ideas and sort of uh, things in my music on purpose. Mm. I don't do that on purpose. My philosophy is this: I put those things in me as a person, mm. and then if I'm writing honest music, then those things will come out naturally. And I think that's the best way to do it. Because if you're if you're not careful, what will happen is if you're overly intentional about what you're trying to say, it can come off like it's a commercial, you know. And I'm 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 not trying to sell Jesus. I'm not trying to sell God, yeah. you know. I'm trying to tell a story, or more accurately, I'm trying to figure out what my place is inside his story, you know, inside the yeah. story of the other people in the community. Like, how do our stories overlap? 
Right. You know, so that's what I'm trying to do. So I guess the the metaphor and 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 all that stuff sort of happens just naturally. Um, you know, during that process. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's my goal is put the put the scripture and put the goodness in me, and then write songs from a natural, honest place, and then those things will naturally show up in the songs. Yeah, that's good. Hey, John, um, did you ever have like a mentor, a songwriting mm-hmm. mentor? How did you get to the place where you are, where a lot of people consider you to be like one of the the premier songwriters? Um, how did you get there? Um, you know, I don't really know. Um, I I do have people. I, I did have people I looked up to. You know, I think for me, I think um, I I just I just wrote a lot of songs. You know, and I think for that would be my advice to young songwriters. They want to know like a lot of people want to know these like tricks, you know. But the truth is, like I can I could probably tell you some tricks that would probably help. But nothing helps more than just doing it every single day. So that's what I would tell writers is to write every single day. So I don't know um, how I got where I am, or you know, it's real funny because I'm actually really hard on myself as a writer. I don't actually feel like I'm that good, you know. But I think more than anything, I try and write every single day, you know. And if you can write a song a day, you know, then eventually you're going to find some really good songs. Because I actually don't feel like I write a lot of great songs. I just write a lot of ideas. And if you write enough, then some of those are likely to end up being pretty good. And then I cherry pick the good ones. But there's a, I write a lot of terrible things, you know. And every so often I get something good, you know. That's funny. Did you study music? Like, did you go to school for music or anything? I tried. I tried to go to school for music, but I started doing this pretty late in the game. Like, I was in my very late teens when I picked up the guitar at all, and I didn't start writing songs till my early 20s. And I tried to go to music school, but I couldn't keep up, you know, because I didn't have the experience that all the other, you know, folks had. And, you know, and so I was way behind, and that one class was dominating my entire schedule just to keep up. You know, I I feel like, though, that I would be a lot further along in where I want to be if I had gone to music school. Some of those tools would be incredibly helpful right now, you know. So I struggle a little bit musically, to be honest. And I have to lean on other people sometimes um, for that. But I I wish that I had gone to music school. Hey, John, question for you real quick. Um, yes. So is it, with the writing process, is there anything else besides, you know, obviously other music that that inspires you creatively, you know, um, life, things in creation that inspire your music? Yeah, I think the number one thing that inspires me are uh, stories. And I don't mean stories as far as like just things I read. I just mean, I, I think other people's lives, you know, um, uh, I, I, you can find inspiration anywhere, you know, like it's, yeah. it's literally all around us. It's just, you know, taking the time to sit down and notice, you know, but, but okay. there are amazing, there are amazing stories and there are songs everywhere. It's just, most of us are way too busy, you know, or, um, or in my case, I'm way too dull to see it all the time, you know? So some of it is just sharpening yourself to see the stories that are around you, you know? How do you balance that busyness with, you know, family life and, and um, just other priorities? Um, it's really hard and I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I'm actually not very good at it. You know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think I have a friend who says you find balance by running from one end of the boat to the other. 
And I feel like that's what I do most of the time. I take on a lot of work and I do it and I enjoy it. And then I realize I've taken on too much and then I have to run to the other end of the boat where I, I don't take on as much. And then, um, and then I realize, hey, I need to focus a little more on my work and I go back to work. So it, it's really hard. I mean, I wish there was like a, I wish, I wish I knew some sort of um, formula you know, like this much time at home versus this much time on the road or this much time at the office versus this much time taking your kids to the park. But for me, like, it's just kind of trial and error. And I'm, I'm just trying to, um, I'm trying to figure it out, you know? I hear you. Yeah, that's powerful. If you could go on tour with four artists from, from history, dead or alive, who would it be? Man, that's deep. (laughs) Um, Four artists from history. Um, Bob Dylan, The Beatles, Springsteen, and uh, man. Bob Dylan, The Beatles, Springsteen, and uh, shoot. There are so many. Uh, Miles Davis. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Good (laughs) good call. (laughs) I'd buy a ticket. Yeah, I have a feeling those would be some pretty interesting backstage hangs, and I'm not sure that I would want to be there all the time. But the music, <laughs> the music would be really great. That'd be real interesting to see that time in history, you know, what it was like, you know. Yeah, that's <clears throat> cool. Do Do you think in in like all the stuff you've been all the stuff you've written, like do Do you feel like there's a song, like a specific song that maybe speaks the most to like your life's testimony or like to to where you're at? Um, man. In all honesty, like, I don't think there is. Yeah. Like, to me, every song is a piece of the story of my life. Mm. And honestly, every song, um, the song that means the most to me is whatever song I'm working on at the time. Yeah. You know? So it is really hard. I think I really enjoy playing the song uh, Holy Ghost. Mm. Um, that's one of my favorites. I think because I... Um, I think especially standing back and I wrote that in a really, really super lonely time. It was a really, really hard time in my life, you know. And so uh, I think whenever I sing that song, I just feel super grateful that I get to do what I do. Yeah. You know, and uh, so that one means a lot to me. Hmm. Yeah. But it's it's hard because I, I literally, like I said, every whatever song I'm working on is the most important song in the world to me. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you have a sense on like where where you think Christian music is going to be in five years, or maybe even some uh, advice on where you think Christian music should be in five years? Uh you know, I I can speculate. Yeah, you know, I think I think the music world in general is becoming much more fragmented, mm-hmm. um, but in in a good sense, you know, because uh, there's so many different communities and there's so many different you know, cultures and, you know, so I, in one sense, it's, it is really difficult. It becomes, it's, it's much harder to make a living now uh, in music or um, even in worship music uh, because there's so much music out there and music is looked at as free now. Yeah. You know, people don't see music as much as something they want to pay for. And so it makes things really challenging. You know, but the same technology that's made it free has also uh, given platforms to people across the world to to make their music, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think what you'll see in, in Christian music, uh, just like in, in the rest of music, is you're going to see 
a lot of different kinds of things happening at the same time, you know, and I think you're going to see more of a decentralization, you know, as right now you have sort of like the sort of pillars and the, I mean, I guess you'll always have the superstars. I don't know. I actually, I don't know much about that world to be honest, Sure. you know, um, but I think one thing that I'm excited about, I think you're going to see a lot more of are Christian artists who are doing things outside of uh, sort of um, what you consider sort of the traditional Christian venues, yeah. you know. And I think you're going to see a lot of artists sort of bending the um, uh, paradigm between what is Christian music and what's not. Sure. You know, because at the end of the day, I think the idea of Christian music is more of a, you know, we put. Um, we put titles on things so people have a shelf to put it on, you know, or where to think about it. But I think now that the shelves are sort of disappearing, yeah. you know, I think you see things that sort of um, cross the lines a little bit, you know, and you're already seeing like, you know, guys like Josh Garrels who like, you know, he's a believer. He talks about Jesus at his shows, but he's never played in a church before, Sure, you know, and he has thousands of people coming to see his shows every night. You know, and he's very, very much a Christian and, and very, very much a, um, a, a strong believing person, you know, and, and there's a lot of spirituality and a lot of Jesus in his songs, you know, but I don't know what shelf he goes on. Sure. You know what I mean? And I love that. So yeah. I can't say where Christian music is going, but I can definitely say I'd like to see more of it go in that direction. Yeah. Could you, you speak a little bit to that shelf? Because I know you in your in your concerts kind of ride that line between worship leader, but, you know, it's not really just a worship service like you would find at a church. Could you maybe speak a little bit to how, how your concerts are and kind of the heart behind all of it? Yeah, for sure. I think I try and create a situation that best serves the songs, you know, and so a lot of times I write songs, and I'm like, I really don't, I feel uh, something important on this song, but I don't know where the song belongs, you know, so I'm not, and now once again, I'm not saying this is the best way to do it. It's just the way that works the best for me and sort of feels like the way I'm supposed to do it. Right. Um, so in no way, shape or form am I saying this is the way people ought to do it. But for me, I try and look for um, the songs that speak the most to me from a gut level, mm. you know? So like if I sing a song, I write some lyrics and it makes me tear up. Like I feel it very strongly that no matter what the subject of the song is, that song wins, you know? And so that song goes on the record. And so a song like Holy Ghost, I'm like, I realize no one is ever going to sing that, you know, on Sunday morning. Um, but it deserves to be on a record and it deserves to have a place, you know? Right. So for me, uh, I try and I try and, create a situation that best serves the songs. I try and create a platform for the songs, you know? And so for me, like we, um, you know, like the, um, a lot of times the venue, you know, you have to choose a venue based on what you want to do, you know? And, and to me doing it, speaking of it more as a concert in quotation marks works better than calling it a worship service, even though there's really no difference at all sure. from a spirit, from a spiritual perspective, from a cultural perspective, we've just, we've sort of decided that this certain thing is worship music, the songs that people can easily sing, right? you know, or songs, you know, that has become what we consider worship, you know, which, which it is worship in a, in a little you know, you talk about church with the big C, church with the little C. Right, well, there's worship yeah. worship with a big W and worship with the little W. Sure. You know, and so like sing-alongs are worship with a little W. And even though they dominate the culture, 
You know, they're definitely not everything that worship is supposed to be or can be. Yeah. You know, and so like, but I, I realized that Holy Ghost culturally is not going to work for most people. And it was written from a very personal place. And I realized a lot of people are not going to understand the, uh, you know, every single lyric, you sure. know. And so for me, I feel like I've got to create a different context for that song, mm. you know, even though it is worship, you know, um, but culturally, does that make sense? Like, I feel yeah. like it's a little bit, I'm getting a little bit heavy no, right I mean, now. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great wisdom to, I mean, it, it almost seems like a cliche thing for worship leaders to tell other worship leaders, like, remember that it's not just about the, you know, the sing-along part of the service, but at the end of the day, a lot of worship leaders, we just really, like, that's what we value, guard, weight ourselves by. Like, week in, week out, it's kind of, we got to make sure it's all singable. We got to make sure it's like, if they're not singing, then I didn't do a good job. So I think I think you speak a good a good word there saying like no you can can actually do music in an impactful way that everybody didn't necessarily sing along with but God can still move and still be worshiped in the midst of that and I think that's huge. Yeah, for sure. I think one of those things that you that you see in scripture often is just the idea of of meditation, right? So um, when God prescribes law for worship, and you see David doing this over and over again, uh, the emphasis is the heart. It's not necessarily what's tangibly happening uh, outwardly. So, uh, I think John's you know spot on there. Um, regardless of of the genre or um, the format in, in which we we put these songs together, um, it at the end of the day uh, we've got to invoke emotion that that spurs internal worship so it's a good reminder man yeah for sure and i think worship too is you know worship is something that's going on all the time mm-hmm. you know, wor- worship is something that's happening so like if i'm doing my job right hopefully i'm just giving you know language to what's happening already you know yeah yeah that's cool. To to swing a little to the other side here, could you speak maybe a little bit to what kind of gear you're using? What kind of guitar are you playing lately? Just on the technical side. You know, everybody's, yeah. everybody's always interested in that. No. Well, my uh the guitar I use the most and I have for the last several years is my Elliott Tone Master. Hmm. Um as a good friend of mine, he lives in um just outside of Charlotte. Yeah. Um and, and he builds guitars, um Elliott guitars. And um I, he he built that for me a few years ago, and I got to go up and pick out the wood, you know, and yeah. write my name and on what was going to become my guitar. So like, I have like this deep, <laughs> this deep emotional personal relationship with that guitar. That's cool, you know. So I love that guitar, and I play that a lot. I also play, um, uh, I play a Jerry Jones baritone guitar a lot. And I really love that guitar. Um, it's just really cool, really twangy, and I tune. Uh, I tune it A to A, hmm. so it's uh, it's it's several steps lower than a standard guitar, and so you you can do really cool, you know, big nasty chords with it. I love it. That's cool. Well, hey, what pickups do you have in that Elliot? I believe, um, I'm trying to remember. He he hand he hand makes his pickups now. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what he was using before. Or he hand wound his pickups, um, and I can't remember what they are. Something gorgeous. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're P ninety. They're P. They're P ninety style pickups. I'm yeah. not sure exactly. I can't remember who made them, but they're P nineties basically. Hey John, um, when you do um, 
like two mics taped together. How do you have yeah. that run? What are you doing with that? <laughs> uh, one of them is one is run uh, directly into. Um, I can't remember. We ran them into two different preamps, and one preamp we ran one into an analog compressor, and we smashed the bejesus out of that one. So, like one is run more clean, and the other is smashed to death. And so, what we do is we um, so instead of like using a plug-in or a digital compressor, you can turn the um, the second the smashed mic up. You know. Uh, to your desired level to get that like analog, you know, nasty Johnny Cash compression. Yeah. You know. Cool. Do you do That's that? Cool. Do it you... doesn't actually go ahead. No, it doesn't work live. Oh, okay. At all. <laughs> I was no. gonna ask, yeah. No. Who's, whose idea you, you was up... it? Go ahead. Oh no. If you do it live, you just end up compressing the crap out of everything, and that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you whose pick up idea? all the drums and stuff. Who's I, speaking of drums, whose idea was it to uh, bring back the Roto Toms? Hmm. I think that was the guy I recorded Borderland with, uh, Elijah. It was his idea. Really? Um, so I was like, yeah. I was like, what we can? I was like, because we we get pretty bored in the studio sometimes, and we're like, what can we do that just you don't hear a lot right now that no one is doing, you know? And so we were like, well, no one is doing DX7, and no one's doing Roto Toms. I was like, well, let's do it. You know, uh, and so we and so the Roto Toms ended up on like every song on Borderland, and I love them. I'm seeing Roto Toms on a lot of people's stuff now, like secular, non secular, and I'm I'm wondering like, did they get it from you? <laughs> you know, is it? Did you start that trend? <laughs> no, I think I I think that trends like the way the sort of trend wheel works is once once something becomes so uncool, right? Give it one more year and it like loops back to the front, you know. <laughs> so like once uh, once culture has entirely let go of something, I think you can bring it you can bring it back around, you know. And so like the Roto Toms just got to the point where like you never saw them anymore. I remember back in the day, like I used to roll my eyes when I saw Roto Toms. We showed up somewhere, you know. But then it's like they're gone. And we're like, well, it's time to bring them back because no one has them anymore, <laughs> you know. Yeah, a DX7 is the same way. It became so cheesy that it's like not. It's so cheesy. It's cool. It sort of lapped itself, you know. But I think everyone's reading the same magazines. Everyone's following the same, the same path, you know. Mm. It's like I don't think anything's original anymore. Yeah. I think everyone's on the same. <laughs> everyone's just at another place on the wheel, you know what I mean? Sure. Could you speak a little bit to um, Live at the Night, your, your latest project you did with um, some of the Jesus Culture people and all that? Maybe speak a little bit on how that night went and you know how, how yeah. it came together. Oh man, it was one of um, it's one of my favorite nights of my life yeah. um, because we 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 recorded it here in my hometown in Charlotte, and I knew you know probably half the people in the crowd, you know. So um, I think for me, like. Above all, just to sit there and sing those songs with all these people that I love mm. was just like phenomenal. That's cool. You know, it was just absolutely phenomenal. And people flew, you know, friends of mine flew in from all over the country. And um, that was just great. That was just beautiful. You know, so if we never recorded it, if no one ever heard it, like even that alone is just like amazing, mm. you know. And, uh, 
you know, so that that was beautiful, just to share that moment with so many people and sure. to celebrate all these songs. You know, I mean, some of these songs are 15 years old, you know, yeah. and so you just have this um, to look back and see all these different um, moments that I'd had over the years and to see them represented in one night and to have people so excited about it, you know, and, yeah. you know, and to be there and to, you know, to, to, I don't know, just to talk about the beauty and the goodness of Jesus and mm. just revel in it together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, who wants to do anything else? Like that's, that's all I want to do. Right. Right. You know, is do things I love with people I love. And, um, and I, there's not much I love more than, you know, mm. than, than singing those songs. That's good. You know? And, and so for me, I was just one of the best nights of my life. Mm. Yeah. For for those who haven't heard it yet, what's the most surprising track on that uh, on that live take? <clears throat> most surprising track? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean by surprising? I don't, I don't know. Just I I think people have a, probably a good idea of what they're going to listen to when they uh, before they purchase it. So is there anything that mm-hmm. that stood out or that was extra special to you? Oh, for me, I mean, Holy Ghost was amazing. It was. Um, it was, I sang it with a piano and a cello and it was just beautiful, you know? And I think that's a song that I don't think of like a lot of people singing and the crowd sang every single word of that song. Mm. You know, that's we cool. didn't like, we didn't like post lyrics or anything either, you know? And so this, it's not a bunch of common words in that song. So for me, like just singing that with all those people was incredible. It's super special. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Is there going to be a, um, uh, a video. I know there some of the the videos will be released with the album, but is there going to be a, like an entire video of the night, like a movie or anything? There is. Uh, you can buy the physical DVD, you know, in in a week, um, or you can uh, in November we'll have the whole movie available on iMovie. Hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm I'm stoked, man. I've never done a live album before, and so. I'm pretty excited about how this turned out. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself in 20 years? In 20 years? 20 years. Uh, 20 years. In Hawaii. Nice. <laughs> like completely no, retired? Uh, no. I think I think in 20 years, for one, I think I'll still be making music. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, one thing I'd like to see is more and more um, – uh, mature people writing songs, you know, um, you know, like I, um, I think that people in their, you know, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s have a lot to say. I like to hear songs from those people, you know, so I'd like to be one of those people in my 60s or 70s writing songs and, um, but I'd also like to, um, I don't know, anything I've learned in songwriting or anything I've done, I'd, I'd love to help other people do that too. Mm. I don't know what that means, what that looks like, you sure. know, but I definitely love to be involved in helping other people do what I do, you know, cause I love it. So yeah. yeah, that's huge. That's it for this week's episode. As always head over to iTunes, give us a rating and a review. It really helps us become more visible over there with other worship leaders. And if you haven't plugged into the community yet, head over to the churchcollective.com, hit contact, connect with us. We want to connect with you and we want to connect you with others. God bless you today.